0: The difference between the hero and the villain is, of course, whether you are so ruthless that you're just going to kill everybody in your path in order to get what you want. That's what makes some of the more interesting Marvel superheroes rise above some of the less compelling ones. This agency to do something, to take action on their own. And they're going to fuck it up. There's going to be consequences that they're going to have to deal with, but they are going to do it by themselves. And I, Shang-Chi doesn't really have that.
1: He only has moved to action when it's like, oh, fuck, he's going after my sister. I must react. So, you're saying it's not enough that it was a really authentically Asian movie?
2: (laughs) (laughs) The oh, door
1: see the latest Marvel movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Well, Roman, I was
0: reading the New World comics from Mauritania by Chris Reynolds, which we were supposed to review this week. And then I decided, you know what? Fuck it. I know there's a pandemic. I know that we're at risk of instant death from everywhere. But Roman, as an Asian American, I needed to see Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So I paid my $18. It cost $18. fucking And I went to the theater
1: and I saw it. Easy there, Fin Fang Foom. Why did I know... You would really be into a movie like this. Wow, Raman, probably because you're stereotyping me
0: as a Chinese-American, and you just happen to think that I'm into all martial arts films. But the funny thing is, you would be right.
1: (laughs) I'm Raman Segel. I'm Ryan Joe, And we are two dudes who finally got to see an Asian comic book
0: movie. Indeed. Before, we just had to satisfy ourselves with, like, Hard Boiled and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon enjoy luck club i'm not mentioning that fucking movie or book that movie just packages asian exoticization up neatly for white people to consume that book that does not exist
1: i've never read it never seen it yeah fuck it don't see it (laughs) Uh, so this week we are talking about shang chi and the legend of the ten rings shang chi is the latest installment in the marvel cinematic universe And, Ruman, am I to believe that you,
0: too, went to the theaters to see it, despite the raging pandemic, despite having
1: two young, vulnerable children at home? Well, dude, I can't wait 45 days for it to show up on streaming and miss an opportunity for us to make some sweet, sweet content. And to my defense, I went to a mid-morning show in a semi-empty theater and masked the fuck up. But what about you? What's your excuse, dude? I thought you snubbed your nose at the superhero industrial complex that Hollywood has become. Well, Ruman, I am easy marketing works on basic people like me (laughs) well also people who like movies about exiled assassin martial artists who are moonlighting as valet parkers in the bay area to avoid their dark mysterious past. yes yes pretty much all asian american people not my asian american people well let's see what you say after you see kumil nanjiani in eternals touche my friend so shang chi is based on the 1972 comic of the same name created under a very different context and under a very different pretense, some of which is problematic. But Marvel's Shang-Chi is the latest installment in the MCU, a.k.a. Kevin Feige's disney attempt at global pop culture domination.
0: Sorry, Fu Manchu, but you are out, you yellow peril menace.
1: <laughs> Directed by Destin, Daniel, Cretan, and starring all of the Asians, the movie features Simu Liu, representing Kim's Convenience, Aquafina, Tony Leung, Michelle Yeoh, Mung R. Zhang, Ying Nan, Ronnie Chang, and Sir Ben Kingsley. How do you say the last one? The last
0: one, I'm not sure. How, how do you pronounce the last name? Ben Kingsley. Oh. He is half
1: Indian, and he is, of course, Gandhi. Back to Shang-Chi, the movie tells the story of an exiled assassin martial artist moonlighting as a valet parker in the Bay Area to avoid his dark and mysterious past. Ah, my life story. It's basically an Asian Black Panther, my friend. Oh, Macau forever. Should have been Madripoor forever, but that's a little too Marvel for you. So Ryan, the jig is up. We both risked life and lung. Don't you mean life and Liang? I guess you're Asian, so you can say that. (laughs) So, Ryan, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, so,
0: mixed bag, I will say, like, the stuff I really liked, I really, really liked. Tony Leung is fantastic. Obviously, he's a Hong Kong legend. I can't believe this is his first American movie. But he oozes charisma, even when he's not talking, with every scene that he's in. So, to me, he's the one who made the movie worth watching. Yeah, MVP. Plus, his character had a very complex relationship with Shang-Chi, who plays his obviously the title character but also his son and the movie really delved into what that relationship means both the love and the hatred between the father and son and that really anchored the movie for me and made it stand out unfortunately all of the other stuff the usual plot <laughs> shit marvel movie stuff eh, it was you didn't like the double dragon at the end uh, i mean you know i'm always into a double dragon raman but Yeah, it's it's stuff that sounds cool on paper, but when you see it play out, you know how it's going to end. There are times when the dialogue is super clunky, especially in the beginning. There's lines like, I've been your friend for 10 years, and it's like, oh, really? I wonder who you're addressing. So there's there's a lot of stuff in in here that's incredibly, that feels a little bit forced, or that feels very, very predictable,
1: that feels like what you'd expect from a Marvel movie. I want to push on that a little in, in your direction it's not just in a Marvel movie in a movie that's supposed to be a big Hollywood blockbuster. It has to explain itself like that. 10 I've been your friend for 10 years. Line, don't tell me, show it to me, you know, you could. Yeah. And actually I think you could, the honestly could have done without that line and they, that they've gone to
0: high school together. There are some moments where they reference it. So it's not like you actually need to learn that the first time you meet them. So in a way, it's almost like, hey, could you just trust the performance of the actors? Could you just trust some of the dialogue that's a little bit more free-flowing to actually tell that past story and not treat us all like we're fucking five? Well, I want to come back to what we liked about the
1: movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a quibble. It's not like the whole movie. Yeah, we're we're at the top of the episode. So I I think the things that really stood out in this film for me are, are two or threefold. One, that yes, there are some obvious Marvel callbacks in the film, but for the most part, because Shang-Chi, while an existing character, this iteration or incarnation of him is very new. It's not based in the problematic past, minus a few things here and there. And so the whole thing, every once in a while you forget you're watching a Marvel movie. And so it's just a movie. Now, a blockbuster movie that they're having to pay back the tropes to. So that's thing one that I really liked. Thing two that I really liked is, yes, there's a lot of martial arts, but there's a lot of other Asian stuff. And I'm not talking about the jokes that only asian people get the authentic asian culture that is presented but it is the it's not just kung fu it's like chinese movie mysticism and and family drama is oozing in that and and that leads me to the last thing the family drama itself i love that with every flashback while that's a tool that's been used it's peeling back the onion revealing one more thing about these characters histories together and with the exception of tony Lung you don't see the actors exuding that drama that baggage as much but in all the flashback scenes you do see it the child actors who play the younger versions of the characters in some cases they're acting better yeah the flashback see i alluded to one of the things that
0: i really liked was the the relationship between the father and son most of that plays out in the flashback sequences and i'm not usually a fan of flashback I liked it here. I think probably I liked it because Tony Leung was in it. He's consistently
1: in all the scenes, yeah.
0: Yeah, but that's where you really see the love-hate relationship develop between the father and the son. For instance, obviously with the son, there's a lot of conflict because his father is, is a criminal.
1: But a smooth criminal.
0: Very smooth criminal. But with Tony Leung, there's this line where, towards the end, when they have this like confrontation, after you learn how the mother dies, he says, hey, you stood by the window and watched your mother die. So there's a lot of blame from the father to the son over his wife's death. And that's such a cutting, awful thing to say. And I, I feel that just really encapsulates that relationship. And at the same time, of course, there's a lot of love, right? He loves his son. The son well, you loves show the, the father m- and m- the, yeah, the, 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 And the early moment,
1: and, and more so,
0: even but the even daughter
1: loves the father more. Yeah, but even
0: after the mother dies, you can tell that he has he wants his children back. He wants his family back. And that's essentially what's motivating his villainy. And so it's very effective. And as like the core emotion of the movie, it, it totally works. It's all of the decorative stuff around it that didn't work as well for me. Though I will say the the fight sequences, the mixture of CGI with I guess more conventional action really worked i usually I, I think about black panther which felt towards the end like a video game but the sequence between killmonger and black panther it's just like i'm watching two video game avatars duke it out I, it felt like watching a game of tekken in shang chi it really blended nicely and of course the fight sequences recall like the wuxia movies where you're doing the wire work you're floating around the action is really more of a dance and A lot of times the movie really plays into that. Like, for instance, when Tony Leung meets his wife
1: for the first time, and it's actually a flirtation. It actually is they dance when they're fighting. Yeah. yeah, it is a dance. Yeah. The CG at the end of Black Panther wasn't that good. But the stakes were good. Brother versus brother, the fate of the yeah. world, and Wakanda. And those stakes were pretty high, family-driven. And again, that's becoming a trope in Marvel movies. But what I wanted more of and less of in that final scene I don't mind being in the lost kingdom of Taolo. I don't mind that it's mercenaries versus monks. I wanted two very human centered battles, right? The two warring philosophies with their armies and father and son duking it out on the wall. I didn't yeah. need the big dragon, battle. if anything, like I want the dragon calling. I don't need the dragon escaping, bring out the dragon in the third movie. Like, because there's this hidden unseen scary as shit thing that will bring us the end of the world that we just barely by the skin of our teeth avoided and yeah, it's... And, and, and then let and let Shang-Chi kill his dad he said he was going to kill his dad yeah. and like the stakes this isn't like Man of Steel did it Clark killed Zod and we all got upset because Superman doesn't kill but we don't know Shang-Chi in fact we know at this point in the movie Shang-Chi has killed because he oh, had yes. to and the person who made him kill is the person once you find out that he did that he is now resolute that he must kill him to bring this whole drama to an end. It's very Shakespearean. And instead, all we got was a double dragon battle in the yeah. sky, which was cool as shit. Cool as shit. Don't get me wrong. But like it, it lowered the stakes. It lowered it the absolutely, stakes. absolutely, it, it distracted from it,
0: right? At, at the end, it becomes like a dragon versus Cthulhu. A and, dragon Thulu, a dragon uh, Thulu. And, and it's really obviously what's at stake. Well, the end of the world, as we know, it. but that's really every Marvel movie at this point. I feel fine. Indeed, indeed. I didn't feel fine watching it. I thought, "My God, I'm watching the wrong battle." But it's yeah, you're right. It it, it drains the movie of all of the emotional conflict that it had been building up. When you basically, when it basically revolves around, now we must all team up to take on this big dragon. And I and I feel like a lot of the Marvel movies don't quite have that edge. It, it's almost guaranteed to have a happy ending. And obviously, sometimes there's like with Spider-Man Far From Home, there's, a, there's something that emerges that sets up the next movie. But to the extent that there is like, not a, quite a happy ending, it's basically mostly to usher you into the next film. But I feel like in terms of actually creating an ending that might really make you rethink how you feel about a certain character, or that might be like a Pyrrhic victory, the Marvel Cinematic Universe just doesn't do that. And that's sometimes why... I'm turned off by it. the last The last movie that the last movie that had it was Civil War. Honestly, that one was that one I liked because at the end it's like how you're not quite sure
1: exactly how to feel. There are no real winners and losers in, in, in
0: at, the, at the end and of Civil well, War, it,
1: and even in the aftermath of Civil War for the next couple of movies, a couple of funny things like there's just real. The thing MC- the MCU does well is when it does something, we're stuck with the stakes. So the blip and Thanos, the whole world is still talking about it. But more importantly, in the aftermath, of Civil War. All the other movies that happen after it caps on the run. Bruce doesn't know why no one's talking when he gets to the Thor movie, etc. cetera. But even in Spider-Man far from home, I don't know if you remember in that movie, there's like a gym scene where it's like a PSA with Captain America and Hannibal Burris playing the gym coach He's like, oh, I think he's a war criminal or some shit now. Like, yeah. like shit happens and the stakes are real when they decide to make these swings that they choose to live with the consequences. And again, that's what kills me about this movie you had a movie with almost zero character baggage. This is brand new for all of us, even as comic book geeks. And one of the things in Shang-Chi is the father-son thing and sweet-ass kung fu. Those are pretty much the only in the names. Yeah. And the sister. But everything else is brand new. And to be clear, they lifted a lot of stuff from Marvel's other kung fu property. And they did, it. they did it artfully well. Another kingdom of heaven, right? That only opens once a year. Literally plunging your fist into the heart of a dragon. Like, all sorts of cool shit. Greatest hits. And they just, they could have gone two steps further with it. I wanted them to. Yeah.
0: The, the issue with Shang-Chi as a character is that he's basically defined throughout the movie by his relationship with his father. Shang-Chi's entire personality is based around his conflict with his dad. And so I'm curious when you get away from that, who is he as a
1: character? And I don't think we know. We do know he is a slacker, nobody who doesn't want to live life to his fullest potential without okay. his dad. It's Sean. He is Sean without his dad. What does that mean, though? Well, one of my favorite things in the movie that happened twice was like, oh, we got to rest up and they go fucking party irresponsibly into the night, And they do that yeah. again in the after credit scene. And that's who he is. Like When he is rudderless, he gives up his heritage, he runs completely away from it, and he just lives day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck. That's it. He I He's guess, a shell of who he could be.
0: To me, that's just explaining his circumstances, but he falls into—and this is, again, my issue with a lot of Marvel protagonists—is that they're all generically quippy. They're witty. They say they, they get into funny circumstances and have great one-liners because the writers give them great one-liners, but at the end of the day, who are they as people it's 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 an issue that i had with captain marvel and it's an issue that exists with shang chi more established characters like spider-man not really an issue with iron man of course he's a very established character not really an issue but for the characters that they are essentially building the personality from scratch it is much more of an issue and it's something i think marvel needs to address
1: my Hmm. two cents I, I- Thor.
0: Thor's another example, right? Comes off as an arrogant asshole in the first movie, but then they don't really know what to do with him. He's generic, I think, in the second movie. Third movie, Taika Waititi sp- has his way. Right. It, took, it really took three more, actually, when you count the Avengers, four, five movies to figure out who the fuck Thor is. So, and again, in the comics, the character of Thor, he's not as distinct as Hawkeye or Spider-Man or Wolverine. And so that's the thing. When the characters have been defined by the comics, Marvel Cinematic Universe is fine. But when the characters have not, they really need to, I think, do a little bit of
1: extra work to figure out who this person is beyond just like he has problems with his dad. Well, I I can make an argument. So originally I said what worked about this movie is it didn't feel like a Marvel movie sometimes because you don't know who this is. You don't have the baggage of it. Would Shang-Chi have been better off as a Netflix show with 10 episodes, right? Uh, now my fear is when you have 10 episodes you have to do a stupid i didn't want to bring it up by name but let's talk about iron fist a little right did you watch iron fist on netflix yes or no just quick answer Nope.
0: i watched daredevil
1: and i watched jessica jones
0: fair actually i watched like one episode of iron fist and i got bored no actually i watched i watched a few
1: episodes of luke cage i got bored and i have thoughts about luke cage let's hang on so iron fist When you take, and again, it was poorly executed. The showrunners were fired. It's the worst installment in the Netflix Defenders MCU stuff. But you had 10 episodes to flesh out this guy's fucked up relationship with his family and the hidden kingdom and Eastern mysticism and eject all the white savior shit, right? For a second. But when you have 10 episodes to do that, you couldn't do it either. You got lost in the mud. And this is the interesting thing about film versus TV you've got to succinctly communicate it. And the advantage the other Marvel movies have had with these characters that we have a predisposition to, even though some of it's like based on the Mark Millar version of these characters, is Cap is the Sentinel of Liberty. Tony Stark is Bruce Wayne with a flying suit of armor. It's like you've got these archetypes you can play, but Shang-Chi and Simi Lu is a bit of a shell. Yeah. And it's hard to fill it. If anything, you, f- you have to spend so much time on his backstory and the characters that inform his backstory, that that becomes even more interesting when especially you have charismatic actors like Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh and and some of the others like filling that in for you. Yeah, I don't think you need 10 episodes. Like if you, you give the character the right drama, you'll be fine.
0: It's not like there are other movies where they have great characters that they develop within 90 minutes, right? Or even less. It's just, I think the thing with Shang-Chi... Tony Leung is the character who's really doing things, right? He's the one who's really making decisions. I'm going to do this. I don't care who it hurts. I am going to do this. And that is really propulsive. Versus Shang-Chi is like, oh, I got to go warn my sister. I'm
1: going to go from this place to this place. He's just kind of, it's like a travelogue. If anything, you could make the argument that even though this is Shang-Chi's movie, I read a review where they talk about Tony Long has his Darth Vader moment, like Hayden Christensen, like, "Ah, fuck it all. I got to just like burn the world to get the thing that I want. And it's just as much his movie. Like it's Shang-Chi and -hmm. the Legend of the Ten Rings. Well, the Legend of the Ten Rings is it's like Lord of the Rings style. The first five minutes of the movie is let's explain this 4000 year old Asian dude who found these rings and how he fucking conquered the world in the shadows, blah, 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 blah. And then the movie then, you know, while it does cut to the modern day and his son, all of the flashbacks involve him. So if you take minute for minute, how many minutes have to do with the father versus Shang-Chi, it's probably like a 40-60 split or even a 60-40 yeah. split. So it's just as much the father's movie, but the father is not a superhero, but the superhero is informed by the father. So maybe, again, Shang-Chi is a shell that the father has to deliver in this movie.
0: Yeah, and in a way, the charisma of tony leon distracts from that right because shang chi just basically bounces off of his dad and he reacts to his dad and so that's enough to keep the drama going in subsequent movies you're going to need to find something to actually make this person a person make him a character
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that's going to be the big challenge well one interesting thing in the mcu is the Tom Hyland Spider-Man. Now, to be clear, we all have baggage with Peter Parker. Now, even if you've never read the comics, you've seen Toby Maguire. You've seen Andrew Garfield. You've probably seen the cartoons. You get it. We don't have to tell you about fucking Uncle Ben and great power and great responsibility for that Peter is a troubled, orphaned youth living with his aunt. But in each of the, the MCU Spider-Man movies, he is playing off of another daddy figure. Tony Stark in the first one. He George is. Hall Mysterio in the second one. Doctor Strange in this coming third one. So- the question is even though Simulu Shang-Chi, we don't really know who he is, are they going to have to force him against Marvel team-up style? Yeah. A mentor figure? So, first off,
0: with Spider-Man, even though he's playing off of a father figure, you also get a sense of his personality, which is yes, yes. he is going to do. He really wants to do the right thing. He just doesn't know how. He just keeps fucking up and creating bigger problems, despite trying to do the right thing because he's so inexperienced. He doesn't quite understand how to use his powers, and and that is actually really really compelling,
1: right? You know, I'm, I want to do right, but I just can't, I just don't know how. And Peter Parker is the, Peter Parker is the ultimate everyman. You don't yeah you don't need an Aquafina with Peter Parker because Peter Parker is me, the audience.
0: And so you get a sense of, of this personality even when he's fighting, right? He fights the vulture, but oh my god, he gets in trouble, he, can't, he needs to get bailed out. Or he fights the vulture and he creates a lot of property damage along the way. And so all of that is endearing and shows you that, hey, this is a really inexperienced dude. He doesn't really know what he's doing.
1: Shang-Chi doesn't really have any of those comparable moments. It's just because, him wandering because, the world. But Yeah, because the moment he shows up and reveals he's a superhero, mm-hmm. he's always been a badass. Yeah. In fact, the opening scene with him as an adult is like he wakes up with the necklace and he's ripped as hell and he starts doing push-ups. Yeah,
0: I, I think the way they get around it, aside from him bouncing off of Tony Leung, is also him bouncing off of Aquafina. Imagine the movie without her; it would be fucking boring, right? Like he's traveling by a plane. They have a scene on the plane, but the scene is really like their banter. Every so so every time they're traveling, it's really banter between him and Aquafina. And it works, right? Because they are a fun couple to observe and to listen to. And it it keeps you invested in the scene, even when what they're talking about doesn't really have anything to do with any dramatic conflict. It's
1: just a bunch of funny jokes to keep you entertained for a while, while nothing is happening. So something's been sitting with me about this movie. Again, only saw it several hours ago. Again, it's great to see a movie in the theater because when you see it in the theater, you're more immersed and you're more forgiving of these things versus when you're at home and you can pause and you can get a snack, et cetera. And the spectacle, right? The spectacle is there. It's meant to be like broad-based entertainment. But I was left feeling like I was missing something. And I remember walking out of Black Panther, even though I saw Black Panther in a crowded theater of people cheering and et cetera, and it was its moment. But I was left like, there's something missing from this. And I... I'm not I don't want to knock Black Panther like great movie good movie and I don't want to knock Shang-Chi too much but it they like they both left me wanting something more yeah if that makes sense and but the difference is and I I really like my wife and I have been watching Kim's Convenience through the pandemic and I like Simu Liu he's a likable guy he's playing effectively the same character but with Kung Fu super badass game in this movie and a Korean right he's playing a Korean in uh, (laughs) Kim's convenience right yeah but Chadwick Boseman is electric and I'm not saying Similu isn't charming. Like, it's just, but like, I can't not, I, I don't know. There's something, and th- there is something bigger and grander about Shang-Chi. And I think maybe that's what was missing for me. It's like, you play up all the underworld shit with his dad. You literally have one of the Seven Kingdoms of Heaven uh, in Taolo, which is effectively a proxy for Kunlun with the dragon and everything. Like, I... And I like the world that was built. I like the world that Wakanda is. I like the idea of Kun Lun in the comics and Tao Lo in this book and this movie. And uh, it was, there's something missing for me still. And maybe maybe it's because the main character wasn't giving me enough. It was everyone around yeah. him, everything around him that was giving it to me.
0: It's knowing who he is as a character. Captain America is pretty defined. Iron Man is pretty defined. Bruce Banner is pretty defined. Spider-Man is pretty defined. Most of the Avengers are actually pretty defined as characters. And I, I'm finding that some of the newer Marvel superheroes, like Captain Marvel and Shang-Chi, they
1: just don't have that, that, I want to ask that a resonance. Just, just just to geek a little more, you, how do you feel about Doctor Strange and Ant-Man? Ant-Man's a clown right so in a
0: way I feel similarly with Ant-Man and Doctor Strange again he always feels more like a he feels more like a supporting character as well Hmm. I, I will say I like Jessica Jones and I like Daredevil quite a bit I did not like Luke Cage For the same reasons, right? Jessica Jones has got a really propulsive, compelling personality. She's going to do things. Same with Daredevil, right? His way of dealing with all of his issues is going out and just beating people to a pulp. That's what the first season of that show is about. And then versus Luke Cage, who just wants to chill at a barbershop. He just doesn't really do that much until he has to. He's reactionary. And actually... When he appeared in Jessica Jones, I like that. He makes a good foil for Jessica Jones because in the comic, Luke Cage is very bombastic. It actually makes sense for him to play off of the much more forward Jessica Jones character to make him quieter and more submissive. But when you're asking that personality to hold up its own show, it becomes an issue because it's just not a forceful enough personality to be a centerpiece. So yeah, I I feel similarly with Doctor Strange. And again, with Ant-Man, funny character,
1: but... A jester, but what's interesting about Ant Man, similar to Peter Parker, again, I, and these are—I'm trying to—I'm really trying to factor out what is the difference here for myself. Ant Man—you can't help but not want to root for and love the guy. Like one of the most heartbreaking moments in all the MCU, and this is my fatherhood coming out—is when he thinks his daughter is dead, and then he finds her grown up as a teenager. Like yeah. Scott Lang's devotion to his daughter above all You're right. else, yeah. Is it's similar to Peter Parker always wanting to do the right thing, but just can't fucking get it together, right? Like to a flaw, to a fault. And it, it, again, I, I think maybe that's what was missing because you were. We were about to earlier pick up on the relationship with Aquafina or, or his BFF Katie. I think if you had given me a little bit more of his devotion to his new life, his friend, versus that I've just been kicking it and slacking off for ten years, like what does Shang Chi care about? Yeah, and. That is the missing thing. It it could have been there. The actor is charismatic enough to, to land it, but the character wasn't written to really care about anything. He does the right thing. He's a hero. He always reaches out and tries to save the little guy. But I couldn't figure out what the Scott Lang, Peter Parker thing was. And look, Tony Stark is an asshole, but develops a heart over the course of a movie and multiple movies. Even Doctor Strange, to a lesser degree, he's a total asshole, to be clear. But he ultimately gets there. And well,
0: yeah, I, the asshole to hero conversion—it's—it's it's pl- Thor
1: had it. You can't, but you Strange can't do that. It. You can You could. You couldn't have done it with him. You couldn't have done that with Simula. No, I.
0: I. The other thing is that Tony Stark actually does things right. He makes these decisions, and the decisions lead to disaster. But he's the one who's driving it, Spider Man. Same thing. Ah, oh, I'm not doing anything. I was an Avenger, and now I'm not. What am I gonna do? I- I'll just do stuff on my own. He does things, right? And it again occasionally leads to disaster. And Daredevil, of course, same, similar. Jessica Jones, similar. A lot, but and then you have like the less compelling heroes are actually a lot more passive. They just react to the villain or whatever conflict is there. They're not the ones who are actually going out and trying to enact change. And I think that's actually what makes characters compelling. I am going to go out and do this. That's what makes Tony Leung compelling in Shang-Chi. I'm going to fucking do this. Now, the difference between the hero and the villain is, of course, whether you are so ruthless that you're just going to kill everybody in your path in order to get what you want. But I think that's what makes some of the more interesting Marvel superheroes what makes some superheroes rise above some of the less compelling ones. It's this agency to do something, to take action on their own. And they're going to fuck it up. There's going to be consequences that they're going to have to deal with, but they are going to do it by themselves. And I think Shang-Chi doesn't really have that. He only has moved to
1: action when it's like, oh fuck, he's going after my sister. I must react. So you're saying it's not enough that it was a really authentically Asian movie. (laughs) What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? It's <laughs> funny. There's one moment in the movie, and by no means am I am I a Bollywood expert, and by no means am I a Korean or a Chinese film cinema expert, but I've seen enough movies to like at least have an opinion of stereotypes and tropes. And there's this one moment where Michelle Yeoh shows up, and she's the auntie, and like this idea of extended family and family is bigger. Heritage and ancestry is like this really powerful force. That those are like the broader themes rang true to being an Asian film. Just, I appreciate that. I, I hear you. I feel that's a Disney thing as well, though. I think that's
0: just like a convenient intersection between Disney's all about family, right? The loss of family and the re- regaining family. Hell, that's that's that's, that's Shang-Chi. But, but that's that's literally every freaking Disney movie as well fast but, and
1: furious movie but yes
0: yeah which i have only seen actually i've never seen any fast and furious movies would you believe
1: that oh there's a patrick h willems video that i will make you watch after this i'm so oh, those, to it. they they are superhero movies and they are amazing
0: i actually like justin lynn or i did like justin lynn he had a really interesting debut he was out of ucla which and he had a really good movie called better luck tomorrow yeah starring yeah. john Cho. did you ever see that i did not Really good movie and, uh, yeah. and a
1: young Sung Kang as well, I believe. Yes, Sung Kang.
0: yeah, who eventually showed up in the Fast and the Furious movies. But see, that's the thing, right? People talk about Shang Chi as like, oh, hey, Asian American represent. But I feel like we we've been here before. Like I know, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was not Asian American, but I was like, oh, a Chinese movie that's like hidden in America. Yay, Better Luck Tomorrow. Yeah, Justin Lin, Asian American, really peeling back the layer and showing these characters really like scrutinizing the stereotypes came and went and Shang-Chi is having that same hype right and there's I guess an element of pride in seeing Asian Americans represented on film in a way that's not fucking stereotypical but at the same time I feel like we've been here before it just seems to like come in increments every like 10 years sorry I'm like you're so cynical about this
1: you wouldn't be my favorite co-host because I know Sharon and Drew aren't listening right now. So, But here's what I would say. This movie kicks the door in a little bit more. It yeah, proves that... And again, it's to be fair, Crazy Rich Asians did. And there's better... Right, Crazy Rich Asians. The thing... Again, and all the trailers make this look like the Marvel Kung Fu movie. And again, it Kung Fus for the first third. Then you've got like the middle family, like lost flashbacks. And then you go straight into like fantasy (laughs) it's literally dragons and lost cities and shit like there's deeper shit beneath the surface in like asian storytelling heritage that is not fucking kung fu and no offense to kung fu it's great the fight sequences are cool in this movie and they're beautifully shot and the macau scene is well lit against all the neon signs and shit but like there's more to it than that there's more stuff in the genre of asian heritage storytelling And again, I think this movie does that well. And it proves that we can do more than just have. Unfortunately, Shang-Chi is the master of Kung Fu. So his superpower is badass Kung Fu. I don't know. I don't
0: know. You're right. It does lean into the Asian American milieu. And it does reference. There's a scene where Aquafina is going into a fight club. And, you know, she says, I don't speak Mandarin. He's like, oh, it's okay. I speak ABC. So there are these moments, right? Where they're like nodding to the, I guess, Asian diaspora in a way
1: that other movies typically don't. Well, and again, because of, and I've, I've listened to a few interviews with some of the folks who worked on the film. And yeah, when you have an all mostly Asian production team and team, you can ad lib and rewrite things versus a bunch of white dudes writing a movie about Asian people. So it it proves that to have success, to be authentic, you have to be specific. And and again, there, there's moments throughout the film that, that just do it really well. Yeah, I, I will agree. Like,
0: though, I was surprised at
1: seeing like I think there like so many people in San Francisco speaking Mandarin. You would think it'd be well, but, but this is, this is going to seem a little trite, but I appreciated that a big budget blockbuster movie, probably a quarter of the dialogue was all subtitled. And right yeah. now I'm, I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima and you have the option of playing that game I play it with Japanese language being spoken and I'm reading the subtitles because hearing the words in the language create a more authentic context for the film. No, I'm just saying that you would expect it to be, it's, it's typically Cantonese. I think. Cantonese, Cantonese. Yeah. Well, and then all the people in the Lost City speak Mandarin as well. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Which is
0: interesting also because Tony Leung and, and Michelle Yeoh are not native Mandarin speakers
1: hey us uh us us non-chinese people were we were fooled so it's all good i'll leave you with the one last thing which we didn't talk about a lot ben kingsley and trevor motherfucker <laughs> trevor in oh, the faceless right. dog <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they finally closed that loop actually and i i appreciate that they gave some of the comedy to him at the end unlike in black panther when martin freeman the token white guy in the movie he has agency and he flies a vr war plane and like knocks down some of the fighter jets right but in this movie and <laughs> Kingsley is just like cowering and playing dead oh, literally yeah.
0: in the big battle well which is like par for the course for that character totally
1: mm-hmm. totally believable classic, classic trevor classic trevor and uh, the thing that made me laugh out loud multiple times in the theater was Razor Fist. And not just Razor Fist the character, but when they steal Razor Fist BMW <laughs> and they're driving through this beautiful lost kingdom and there's a BMW with the word Razor Fist emblazoned on it through the whole movie. Yeah. So, kudos to Razor Fist, cousin of Taser Brain. We will I, always I, remember you.
0: I will say I w- it would have been nice to see I would have liked to have seen like just a scene with Tony Leung and ben kingsley bouncing off of each other see considering he is the guy's jester he's, and he's been and held hostage
1: I, for like five I, years
0: I, yeah and they're both acting legends so it would have been just cool just to see i understand like you don't want to force a scene like that in
1: there but i'm just curious how those two actors would have played off of each other but there's a history like i think the next shang chi movie should have a lot it's probably gonna have flashbacks to his growing up with aquafina in america blah 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 but again Like, Trevor could be a character, and he can be recounting, like, Trevor's relationship with Tony Leung. Yeah, but you still want to see them in, you see that in scene. Well, okay, (laughs) you could do a flashback. Ryan. Yes, Roman? I, I, I want you to tell me that what we're reading next is going to be Matt Fraction's run on Iron Fist. But I know that's not happening, so I have to ask, what are we reading next week?
0: Well, same thing that I said we were reading next week, last week, which is the New World Comics from Mauritania by Chris Reynolds, who is uh, a white guy from the UK, but his comics are so freaking weird. They almost always begin, I wouldn't say they begin in a mundane way, but they begin in a way that seems very grounded in the real world. And it always turns into just something strange and dreamlike and unusual. And- (laughs) Sometimes it works, and sometimes it it doesn't. But I'm really curious, Roman, to get your take on how you feel about comics from
1: Mauritania, which is what we're going to be talking about next week. It looks like some woodcut, lino-cutting goodness. It's extremely
0: odd. I would say with these books, like Mobius,
1: you just have to go with the flow. Well, that's what we do every week on Quarantine Comics. (laughs) And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. Qtdcomics at gmail.com. I'll give you a social media handle, but we're old and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And
0: I am and have always been Ryan Joe.
2: Terdah. Sorry, sori da sorry, sasul da open